Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host, but you've got to be kidding me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. professional wrestling wow we like professional wrestling too this is shake them ropes i am jeff hawkins he is chris novembrino also uh this is a like what you like zone in terms of professional wrestling it could be great it could be ridiculously stupid you know i like both i I say this Uh, because oh it's a new inclusive era on the show (laughs) people Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> no, welcome. It's... Welcome to include these ropes. You're a WWE fan. Great. If you're an AEW fan, great. You like stardom? I don't talk about it that much, but I think they're pretty good too. You know, it, it's it's one of those what, things. What where if like... you're a fan of the government of Saudi Arabia? <laughs> we'll get to that in a moment. We're including that now too. In this new inclusive era <laughs> of the show. Welcome aboard. VOWers get paid. We're also <laughs> we're also a place where you get paid, so that's part of it. But no, I was I was kind of the central focus amongst friends, and I hate arguing with friends about wrestling because I'm more of a like, okay, here's my opinion, that's it, and I'm not gonna try and convince you of other things. You can call me an idiot, I'm fine with that. But you know, it's one of those things where it's like we're talking uh, and we we're talking about this before we went on the air, but uh, I got I got some heat. From the other neighborhood I'm in, about my opinions on the on the on the trios title best of seven because I was just like these are very good matches and I enjoyed myself watching most of these matches. I thought they lacked some emotional depth. I thought they lacked some follow up on certain storylines that were in there. I I think I think it didn't feel like a death struggle for a game seven like everything was on the line here, but they were good matches and I was just dragged through the mud because experts loved the matches and you know all these other things. I, I go look, I am very clear with my biases. I tell you what gets me off in wrestling. I like builds, I like promos, I like heat. I like fights in the ring. I like bad men doing bad things. I like tag team wrestling and I like unrepentant stupidity at times because that makes me laugh. And, you know, and, and I'm fine with that. And I'll talk, I'll talk current. Why don't you like current wrestling, Jeff? I go, I like current wrestling. I just want it to be a little bit better. You know, I think it, it's missing something in terms of star power and star build and things like that. But man, I, I, I sometimes, I, this is one of those weeks where I almost came on the air and go, I quit. I can't do this anymore <laughs> because it's just like, am I the one out of touch or is it the children? You know, that whole Seymour Skinner meme or something like that. I'm going, well, it's neither. Just like what you like. And if somebody doesn't like what you like, say, hey, we're both wrestling fans. We're all nerds. 
don't be the record store employee that's all i ask don't be the record store employee when when someone comes and goes hey do you have stevie wonder i just called to say i love you you know don't be that guy that's all i ask chris yeah i look (laughs) you're always trying to cajole me into posting again on twitter it's not gonna happen and oh i want you on twitter so bad i'm not getting back on twitter i (laughs) can no longer post about politics for fear of legal repercussions. And it's probably the same with uh, wrestling now. Wait, too. legal repercussions? Uh, my my takes have gotten so out far of the mainstream, Hawkins, that I it's, it's best that I keep them in my pocket from now on. Hold my beer. <laughs> so, you know, uh, let us just say. No, but, you... but please, I, I would lo- look, now that you can no longer post about politics, you can post about wrestling all the no, time. No, no. If I did that, I'd get dragged even further because I was <laughs> not impressed with this vehicle of the best of seven thing. I said, you already brought it up, but I'll talk about my problems or I'll expand on our conversation a couple of episodes ago okay. on our problems with this. And now that it's concluded one, they did exactly what we thought they were going to do Two, I didn't feel like it got more intense yeah. as the series went on. And that is the whole point of a best of seven series. <laughs> yes. If you ever watch sports, like if you ever like not wrestling, like sports, sports ball, actual okay. the, yes, sports ball. Yes. Uh, like go and watch a best of seven series <laughs> in baseball or in basketball or in hockey. And you see the stakes and the intensity ratchet up and one that gave away that it was going to seven, which is not exciting because then you like don't, you know, we're just waiting to get to the seventh one. The seventh one wasn't like this grand crescendo. And yeah. I felt like they lost the narrative thread, like the death triangle, you know, there should be internal tensions. The, as you said, with the injuries on, on the baby faces side with the Bucks and Omega, I, I mean, yeah, the, the lack of narrative discipline there, like, it's as though their only understanding of injury angles in sports comes from that one time Paul Pierce limped his way back onto the court back in 2008 or 2009. Like that, that was like the signature moment. Matt and Nick were like, remember that? And Kenny was like, that was the greatest moment in sports. We need to, we need to bring that back. Uh, Kenny said, I played hockey as a kid. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I love, I love Paul Pierce. He truly is the truth. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I think, I just think that it missed the mark for me. It, it didn't really earn the need for a seven match series. And Chris, I'm, that is a that is a perfectly fine opinion. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. But you You're see, if I, if I am I, tolerant of your beliefs. I love this new. Inc- I love <laughs> us, and I love how inclusive we have become. Every flagship listener is going screw this. I'm listening to Joe and Rich. I don't need this crap. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a new era of healing around these parts, Jeffrey. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know, uh, but but I'll have praise. I'll have praise for this dynamite later, kids. Just just settle down. And I have praise for all of you. Up with people, we say here. When last we looked at the news, <laughs> there Up were people. There was uh, Vince McMahon was apparently coming back. Oh, that happened real quick. But here we go. Stephanie McMahon out as co CEO of WWE. Issued a press release saying, you know what? I'm going back on my leave of absence. A very carefully worded 
press release statement. So as not to say it had anything to do with Vince coming in. It was just, oh, I felt it was time to go. Now that said, as part of this story, Vince, as, as Fightful originally reported, sure as heck brought in uh, George Berrios and Michelle Wilson with him, ousted three members of the board, two more members of the board of directors quit shortly thereafter, including the gentleman who was in charge of the internal investigation into Vince McMahon. Chris, any thoughts? Uh, it must mean that the investigation just didn't pull up any evidence. <laughs> you don't do that. No, come on. <laughs> um, look, uh, I, I, McMahon's clearly back here to do something big in terms of selling the company. And I, I think, you know, it's real interesting to me how Stephanie just immediately seems to keep putting distance between herself and Vince. It's I, it's interesting to me. Um, I I don't know what it means. I don't know if it's a business. That's, that's my thing here, right? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's like a per that they are less close that that she's like maybe kind of disgusted with like the way he's doing things, um, or what, or she's trying to protect her brand. Or um, uh, the, here's here's one that a friend of the show brought up, and and it it sounds interesting because of the try of uh, the alleged trial balloon that was floated. I'll get to that in a second. But if the Saudis are really involved in possibly buying this thing, that they may not want to buy from a company that's run by a woman. It could be as simple as as, as just that. Now, my thinking is, and, and my thinking all along here, is that Vince wants to sell to somebody who has no idea how to run a wrestling company so that he can be the one to run creative. And then he gets he gets the money... He takes everything away from everybody else, pretty much, and says, this is mine, and when I die, good luck. That kind of a thing. But, I mean, as to your broader point, I don't know why either. I don't know if she likes her dad or if she doesn't like her dad. I don't know the internal internal politics of the McMahon family. It's just, it's interesting that it's twice now that this has happened where it's like Stephanie comes in when Vince goes away. Stephanie goes away when Vince comes back. There does seem to be. Because she can't defend him on the sexual harassment stuff and stay as strong feminist icon type Stephanie McMahon. Right. And it's real interesting. And she's not interested in that project either. No. Not anymore, yeah. it seems. I mean, there was that. I mean, when she was going to like the Eisenhower Foundation and other like the think tank stuff, as, as you know, a CEO or officer in a Fortune 500 company or whatever it was that that they were doing and stuff like that, and she was looking to get on other boards and stuff like that. Yeah, now I think she just wants to be a stay-at-home mom, and maybe, you know, maybe Vince just said, "Hey, look, I'm going to sell the company." And she goes, okay, well, then I don't want to be a part of it if I'm working for somebody else other than the family. And Vince goes, hey, you're going to get a lot of money out of this. Don't worry about it. That could be just as simple as that. So let's not read anything into it. But let's read into this, shall we? Late. Oh, what what was it? Tuesday night? Wednesday night? Whatever. Friend of the show who I will go unnamed, but somebody I follow and somebody I trust, a news person. Because these rumors were starting to happen. It was right after, actually, Stephanie left as CEO, officially. Reported that 
the WWE had been sold to the public. Is it the public investment fund or the private investment fund? I, I don't remember the name of it, but basically the same Saudi Arabian fund that owns the LIV golf tour and been sold for lots and lots of money. And that turned out not to be true. Which now had a lot of people going after certain journalists. They went after Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful, who didn't even report on this. He basically said, I don't know anything. And everybody goes, see, it's all those journalists like Sean Ross Sapp who don't know anything. Wasn't Sean Ross Sapp. If I I recall the byline, I think it was Wrestling Inc. originally that did this. I think it was, uh, well, I'll say the name. I think it was Mulehausen, Stephen Mulehausen, or however you say his name. I like him. I trust him. I I know he talks to people. So it was one of those things. I am going to posit a theory here, Chris, because you and I both play the stock market. I think this was a buy the rumor, sell the news type of thing to get the stock price up so that the company would be worth more so that when the deal came in, whoever buys it, that the price per share would be a lot more than it is right now. That Am I does, crazy? I, no, obviously with a sale very likely to be afoot, it behooves them to be doing everything to push up the share price. And that could include unscrupulous things. Now, that being said, thinking about the kingdom of Saudi Arabia potentially acquiring World Wrestling Entertainment doesn't strike me as incredibly far-fetched either, especially when you think about, like, what Qatar has done with FIFA. And, I mean, obviously that's not playing super well for them, but, like, you, you are seeing a number of these nations in that part of the world trying to... I'll try to put this somewhat diplomatically, um, do a bit of public relations by acquiring brands that are maybe thought of fairly fondly as a way uh, to get us to focus on their involvement with those more positive brands rather than past actions, bone saws. Well, the PIF, here's here's the, the deal with this. As I said, they own the LIV golf tour which is now the outlaw golf tour that Greg Norman helps run or is the figurehead of. And a bunch of PGA players want to play for them because there's a lot more money on that tour. Um, but they also want to play like the, the, uh, the, you know, the masters, they want to play the majors over here, but a package deal of WWE and the LIV golf tour live sports are, are the, are the Tiffany Tiffany's of, or, or like the Rosetta stone, I might say of, of they are the they are the cornerstone of your live streaming apps right now live sports are because everybody wants to see things live if it's a sport and they're worth a lot youtube just paid an obscene amount for the for the sunday ticket from the nfl and you can imagine a world where saudi arabia with that golf tournament wwe and let's say cricket or something package it to something like comcast peacock which is looking for content. And that I think might be the end game, but it gets a little more interesting even after that, because I think I have this right. Vince McMahon in Los Angeles during the national tile game, talked to business leaders and TV people, including Bob Iger of Disney. There are many suitors being listed for this, but then Barron's today decides to drop this and it wasn't a contributor. Like, you know, you have those Forbes contributors who just kind of do the occasional article here and there for money. But this was somebody with an actual byline from Barron saying one of the interested parties, perhaps 
Shad and Tony Khan to buy WWE. Now, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I know that there'd be a lot of football spiking in the wrestling internet if the cons bought WWE. Tony Khan's the kind of person who'd want to run creative all by himself. Right, right. <laughs> I think this would be mostly bad for business. Not that, look, WWE at times in its storytelling and its approach to business and its approach to shows and things of that nature kind of need to unscrew themselves. In my opinion, I, I don't like a lot of what they do, but you can't argue with the fact that they make a whole lot of money doing what they do. Wait, but like, let me throw this out there. Could they actually do that? Like, would that not potentially run afoul of antitrust law? You might, because, yes. Yeah, that one I feel is tough because that's essentially, you know, WWE's always been like, well, you know, there are independent promotions or whatever. The irony but, would be that would be the defense they use in court, too. Right. Like, oh, look, yeah. MLW's out there. Yep. That would be basically, they would be like MLW. wrestling is on the come, everybody. You know, that kind of thing. Yes. Essentially, you'd have to argue that the merger of the clear number two company with the clear number one company is not like Monopoly. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to be. I would love to just see the numbers presented as to how you show MLW and Impact represent a real economic competitor. If you ask me, I mean, if you ask me who the leader in the clubhouse is, though, out of all the people, I, I do think uh, Endeavor is probably the the people that own the UFC. You know, big old, uh, oh, what's the name of the super agent? I forget his name, but, you know, the, the, this, this used to be William the William Morris Agency. Uh, to, me, to me, the real question is going to be like, how much do the cons really want it? Because like, I don't think the cons. I think the cons would love the videotape library. Right. I don't know that they actually want the whole kit and caboodle. I mean, if they did, then I. I mean, and they'd love the t. They'd love. They'd love a broadcast TV spot. Right. Because SmackDown does good ratings still for them. I mean, Raw does too. You know, and it's not. It's not. Look, they're not chopped liver on on Turner. They're they're not. They're doing quite okay on Turner, especially in the in the demo. I I just I think WWE sells to some sort of venture capital and then and then it's like okay you sell this product to somebody and that that's even more genius because then Vince isn't responsible if they can't do it he still gets the bag he gets to run it if it's creative that's a no lose proposition for Vince McMahon no, it, it really is. Uh, I, I, we've talked about this in the past. It's never been clear to me that like anyone other than the McMahons would really know how to like fully monetize this thing. Yeah, and that's why you need them around, or at least Vince. <laughs> sort of like, or like at least you need like the Hunter. You know what I mean? Like you do need like a love. You need like at least Levesque and yeah. Stephanie uh, or Shane. But like, there's really no one outside of that family who really gets the business at this scale like i i don't just think like some random jeff jarrett (laughs) right honestly he's like yeah like like but he wouldn't be able to run it like that uh it'd be he'd be better no he'd be better than some just random wall street suit doofus Uh who who thinks that he knows how to do it but always guys like a putting green in his office and a wet bar 
Um, like it, it would, you would actually need someone with some institutional knowledge, and there's really not that many people walking the planet right now who have that. Interview uh, with oh, go yeah. ahead. No, no, that's that's it. I no, go ahead. Go Interview ahead. with Tony Khan this week published. Um, I apologize, I don't have the source uh, written down here. Bad note taken by Hawkins, but one of the things that they're looking to float very, very soon. They have a team, including Jeff Jarrett and friend of mine and yours, Chris Harrington, former Voices of Wrestling podcaster Chris Harrington. AEW house shows, which are an interesting proposition, especially given Ring of Honor and Ring of Honor's partnership with New Japan, which would be New Japan Strong. I think a lot of people, when, when this was being talked about, at least in the zeitgeist, have a little bit of uh, inflated expectations of what an AEW house show would be. Because I think they think they're going to be getting Kenny in the Bucks and Death Triangle and Hangman Page. And you might get one of them on a house show. You might get them as a team or something like that. But I think house shows, for the most part, are going to be for your dark talent to work longer matches, your Anna Jays, your uh, Josh Woods and Tony Nieces, private party can go out there and work a match. And, you know, party matches. And it, it, and it begs the question for me, at least, Chris, as, a, as an old, as, as a wrestling fan, what is the purpose of these house shows? Because back in the day, television drove you to the house shows to watch the names actually have a match and you pay money for those. I mean, you get some preliminary matches and then your main event would be Ric Flair versus Dusty or Dusty and Magnum versus Flair and Tully or the Horsemen versus the Road Warriors or something like that. And it would be a main event attraction and they tour and they'd come every other Tuesday or every other Thursday to the scope or whatever. When WWE does house shows and this was, uh, you know, I had never been to a WWE house show until I came out to California. It's it's a little bit like you don't really get to see all the stars. You might get to see a couple of the stars. And they do, you know, fun little party matches. And it's, you know, the mid-card guys who everybody sings along with. So everybody gets to go home happy for that. And you get to do extended squashes and some matches. But you get to see the stars. And it's just it's just one of those things where it's like it's like going to the circus almost, you know. Barnum and Bailey comes into town. You get to go see the WWE stars. You get to see them wrestle. You get to say the catchphrases, but it's not really in service of anything. AEW has tel television, and they can change titles on TV as opposed to house shows, but they're not going to be using house shows to push the television. And you can't really use television to push the house shows all that much in terms of you're going to see something you wouldn't normally see outside of TV or pay-per-views. So what is the purpose of this other than, I mean, look, if you can get people to pay money for it, great. Go to it. But they're already not selling out a lot of these dynamites either. No, but like you, I, I get what you're saying. Like house shows are sort of like a blockbuster video model. It's a model for a bygone era. Yeah. And I don't know why AEW. I'm with you. If if you could sell for a house show, I guess. If but you could pull a PWG super indie type of show with a bunch of your like your Daniel Garcias and your Sammy Guevara. Then why wouldn't you be televising that? 
the live experience? I don't know. I, oh, your, yeah, point right? is, your point is well made. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it just, no, I, I'm like not trying to say like this is your take. I'm just like say they're like, okay, yeah, if you can pull together a super indie show, then you definitely sure as hell wouldn't want to film it. You'd want to make sure as few people saw that as possible in a localized area. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Yeah, I just, it's yeah. one of those things where I don't see the financial stability of it, but if you can make money with it, get paid. that That's what I say. The San no, Jose, I'm with oh, you. Go ahead. I'm with you. No, no, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, the San Jose Civic Center, home of the stardom show with one Mercedes money, not Monet, money. It's sold out. I believe the San Jose Civic Center is also the same place where they did that first NXT uh, trial run for for different special events that I went to long ago. One of my favorite shows ever. And I went with one Chris Harrington to that. Um, I, I'm not positive that it's the same building, but hey, Mercedes is a draw. And she sold out that building. Uh, good for her. <laughs> I think this is a positive for wrestling and a positive for her leverage. Should she want to go to either AEW or WWE, Chris? Yeah. And I think right now the move for her is to just stay a free agent and see where things go. I I, I mean, I don't know that I'd want to get like, I don't know that I'd want an Inca contract right right this second. I think I'd kind of want to see what the landscape looks like here in a minute. Yeah, and I still don't know what her motivation is. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if this is like a little vacation that Papa Triple H is doing for her to keep her happy after the whole tag debacle. But now that Vince is back, why would she want to come back? I mean, it's it's one of those it's one of those types of deals that that's another thing that Vince coming back may affect some people. <laughs> I mean, like, how quickly do you think Regal was on the phone? <laughs> I know. Well, I was talking with a friend about this yesterday where if I was con, I would be getting on the horn with Regal and wondering yeah. what it takes to get him back to make this main event program that he's got going on his television <laughs> make a lot more sense rather than it be this weird waiting for Godot main event angle where, like, Moxley's all messed up because dad hurt him and Brian Danielson's all upset because dad was hurt and their MJF is also kind of mad because of dad but we'll never see dad again on TV ever again uh, I if I was Tony Khan I'd be trying to get Regal back comings and goings um some interesting news with that this week uh today on Twitter or yesterday on Twitter uh Sudu Shaw announced that he had it and taped his last show at WWE. He is the guy who is the play-by-play -play for NXT uh, Level Up. And I believe he filled in one week for uh, for the play-by-play -play on Raw or SmackDown. I can't remember which one it was, but I thought he was solid. So I wonder what's going on there. But he didn't indicate a reason. He just said, this is my last day. Thank you for everybody. Um were you ever privy to NXT Level Up or anything like that, Chris? Or is this just I never really watched Level Up. Like right. once it became Level Up, I you know it's kind of like AEW Dark. I, but know I thought it he exists. was a solid play-by-play -play guy. It's it's one of those things where I like I'm not a Kevin Patrick fan at all. I just I think I don't think he's necessarily growing into the role. I don't think he's bad. 
I just don't. He doesn't do a lot for me on play-by-play, to be honest with you. We've so talked about this before with Patrick. It's not that he's technically not proficient, right? The yeah. issue is that he simply doesn't have the right type of voice for this broadcast. Yes. And you can train and get knowledgeable about all the moves and whatever for any given sport. But if you don't have the right voice for that, right. you can't fix that. You need like, a certain amount of gravitas in the voice to be a good play-by-play guy. And I think he's a great backstage guy. If that makes sense. He has the voice and demeanor to be a good backstage interviewer. And, and I am very open to the idea that it's, it is in fact a perfectly good main announcer accent in Ireland. Uh-huh. And, and we just, as Americans, don't scan it that way. Right. It just doesn't track. It does because gravitas, like you know, like it's a relative thing, right? Like, like there's a cultural backdrop to that. So I, I'm, I'm saying like, you know, like uh, for, you know, they're Japanese commentators or whatever who have gravitas, but we, you know, it'd be just like different, different measures. Of that yeah, sort of I mean, but I mean, I can listen to like New Japan commentary, not understand it, but get the emotion out of it. Absolutely. I can't, I can't do that with Kevin Patrick. Okay. But that might be, but that might be the, the shackles put on him by the product. Perhaps. That might not be his fault. Perhaps, perhaps. I mean, I've liked what Michael Cole's been able to do. Yeah. In the kind of more looser shackles era. But I, I, but that's also true that it might be looser shackles for Cole rather than Patrick. I feel like Patrick is hosting me rather than being a play by play guy. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh, I like that. He's the host of the show. Like the guy compared to Kevin Kevin Patrick is uh, Joe Galley. Over on NWA, and I think I think Joe Galley is much better as a play-by-play guy than Kevin Patrick is. Oh, I completely agree. Kevin Patrick, hey, come on in, have some snacks. We're here at Raw, you know that kind of thing, and and it's fine if you like that kind of thing. I I just I don't I, he doesn't move the needle to me that negatively. I don't want to come off sounding like that, but I, but I just kind of go okay, he's there, and I notice him, but I couldn't tell you what his strongest aspect of his play-by-play calling is let's put it that way yeah uh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 no, I can't make us no i was gonna say he seldom stumbles in while but that's not even true because there have been a couple of times where graves has like caught him dude I, yeah he is he's like average he he's he's basically adnan verk to me he's he's wonder bread he you know it's not nutritious it's fine it'll it'll, it'll make a sandwich well you know it's nothing special <laughs> adnan verk i think got got hosed i'm gonna be honest with you i like adnan verk but i mean he, he can't, i mean he was under the reign of vince and vince was just like ah can't do anything with this guy get out of here kind of a thing and just yelling at him all the time yeah but like Neither of these guys are Tom Phillips to me. And I'm no. not saying Tom Phillips is like the gold standard, but like Tom no. Phillips like was above average. Phillips like, was you, solid, I thought. He's, he's really on, right, he's yeah. Solid on impact if you ever get a chance to watch that. And we there you go. don't. No. But I mean he doesn't I mean I've 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 watched uh, impact pay per views and, and he's pretty darn solid. And and I, I was like, Man, they let him get away. Okay. Yeah, that right. was 
they just don't put a premium on announcers like that. Uh, FTR granted a leave of absence for what is reported as six months. That will take him take them through the end of their contract, which ends in April, allegedly. So they may have wrestled their last match for AEW. Bizarre. Uh, a, a bizarre run for FTR in AEW. How so? Please expound on this, because I, I find that uh, I find that reaction strange, but I can be compelled. Maybe I'm not talking to the mic also. Maybe strange, but compelled. Go ahead. So, FTR, this is not going to be breaking any ground for a take. Really one of the best tag teams that I've seen in my life. Okay. They're gr- they're fantastic, and we knew this in NXT. And when they arrived in AEW, it felt like they were going to be a real building block mm-hmm. to what AEW was going to do. And they have been progressively sort of demobilized and underutilized steadily. Um, they were made into like MJF sidekicks. Um, yeah, they were tag champions on several occasions. I'm also aware that they had like the whole bell collectors thing going. How often did you see them on AEW television in 2022 wrestling as a team? Some of that was injuries, but like they had a lot of times when FTR wasn't injured, they just weren't on TV. I, I think that they should have been used in a much more showcase sort of role here. And yeah, to me, to me, it's been a strange run with a with AEW for FTR, and it, it hasn't actually, it didn't, it didn't deliver what I had hoped for, which is a real disappointment. Like I feel like there's just like been a lot left on the table here. And I good, was very excited when they came in. Good years have slipped by, and it's one of those things where it's like I just feel like, and this is again me being an old. And a lot of people in that company being young. I think they didn't know what they had with them in many ways. Um, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're not flashy. As they say, no flips, just fists when they were the revival. And it's very true. But there's this weird rebellion type thing that goes through the strain of a lot of acts in AEW. Where it's like, oh, they wrestled that old way. We're doing this groundbreaking stuff because we're fluffed all the time type of a thing. I mean, wrong. I enjoy it. But I, I, I've i heard rumblings. They, they, they did not have great off-screen chemistry at times. And, and even Dax alludes to this on his podcast <laughs> with a couple of acts that are far higher regarded by 20 and 30 something fans young bucks lucha brothers etc there were issues there but they weren't personal they were professional mostly <coughs> and, and working with them and i just it, it, i you look they never went full bore on what the pinnacle could be they teamed them with tully that was a little bit of an oil and water type of thing uh all things being said there was a story this week that Tully said nobody ever came to him for advice on tag team wrestling or being a heel or whatever. And I sort of believe him, to be honest with you. I don't think it was necessarily personal either. I just think. No, I, I just think that like Dax and Cash 
uh, unlike other guys who've said this in the past, do actually got yes. it. Yeah, like, thanks, Tully. But, like, no, like, we're, we cool on this. We got this. We watch a lot of tape. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Dax and Cash probably listen to him it, no, more, I, more than everybody else. Yeah, more more than others. But also, I think that, it, it, you know, how much additional insight does Tully have to offer to Dax and Cash? Yeah, exactly. These, these, uh, guys, these guys... Like, yeah, Tully's a master, but these guys are young masters themselves. Yes. No, I would agree there. I would say more everybody else. But, yeah, you know, they were never really the top heel team. They got over huge as baby faces (laughs) when they turned, and they get standing ovations every time for their work. But I always felt like the company really didn't want to. I mean, the company had other things that they wanted to do, and especially when they were the belt collectors. It's like, dude, they have three companies' tag titles around here. They can't get a whiff of the AEW titles because you have other plans or plans that were there that you just didn't go through. Because remember, there's going to be that all for everything plan that we thought was going to happen with the Bucks that didn't. And and so it just kind of went by the wayside a bit. And it's like... It was super non-committal. Like, they, they were like, well, we're happy to have you. Yeah. But, like, happy to have you is not the same as, like, no, 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 no. We, we want to show you off. And I think there's a slight problem with the exception of maybe Moxley and <sighs> Danielson. Then you know, okay, you got WWE stink on you, and and I don't, I don't know think that was it either. I just it's one of those. Uh, I mean, you say that with the exception of Moxley and Danielson, but like Danielson's another interesting case where it's well, like Danielson's more he doesn't want to be a star. It seems. Yeah, I think there's that too. But FTR is is to me it's it's like one of those things where it's like. I just think people came in and go, I want to be young and exciting and I want a young and exciting product. And you see this a lot in marketing and stuff like that. And we want to, you know, how, how do we sell to the 18 to 24 demo? It's it's always that. And I think there was a lot of that in terms of, you know, we want the PWG super indie style here type of thing. And then, and then you get this team that goes like a Southern, you know, a Southern territory from 1988. And you're like, well, how does that fit in? Kind of a thing. And look at him. He's balding. He has a month. He doesn't look young and hot. You know, he doesn't look cool. And I think that was, I think it was just basic kind of almost ageism at times <laughs> when they weren't that old. It was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you you know, it's like, you know, it's like playing big band music. <laughs> Would you, you know, it could be cool, but <laughs> type of a thing. I I'm I think they're. Uh, they are honestly going to rest up. I know that Dax has a whole plethora of injuries. I don't know what the one who doesn't talk to the media, <laughs> Cash, who who is becoming more and more popular because he doesn't have a lot of opinions, says. But uh, I know a lot. There's also people who are like, "Oh, this smells like an angle," and they're going to come back with Punk. I'm not so sure. I think Punk's done. Uh, it would be interesting for money if they did that, and I would pop huge for it. It would be big business. I just don't see it happening with, with the mindset of the people that are uh, the creative power, shall we say, in AEW. But uh, and I don't think WWE is going to be a. I mean, with with Vince back, I don't think uh, I don't think that's a destination. I think they may work your New Japan's. I think they may do your Indies for a while if they want to play and just be off TV for a while because I think. That was a bit of a grind too, but uh, any other thoughts on FTR, Chris? I mean, the idea of a punk FTR faction is extremely interesting to me. That, it's interesting like, to everybody, but nobody's got to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, 
Well, you know, I, uh, I just love that. The FTR is like punks, like two killers. His two assassins. If they made like him the killers, I'd be good with that. That's the other issue. Is <laughs> That's that a, guys... no, and they never did that on AEW television. Yeah, they but, never like, did yeah, the Andersons. I'm gonna break your arm type of gimmick or whatever that you think you hire. You hire good. FTR to break someone's knee. Yeah, you know? uh, like and have them, you know, basically taking out bounties and stuff on people. They, there, there were so many different things that just didn't get done. Right. And that, that, to me, is the biggest crime of all, is that wasted kind of old-school potential that would have gotten me into more of the angles. But uh, So that's then, why I say it's it was a weird, it was a weird, like, run. In no, AEW. understood. Um, and the final thing of note, Jay White allegedly headed stateside. Don't know if AEW or WWE is his uh, destination. I know a lot of people like Jay White. I'm kind of nonplussed by him. But that's not him personally. I just, he came at a time in New Japan where it's like, okay, he's the top guy. But he's not cutting promos that really speak to me. His wrestling's fantastic. But again, it doesn't speak to me personally. But, and then every time he's come over to the States, it's, you know, it's been impact. He did a couple of matches in AEW, got good reaction, but not star reaction. I would think maybe WWE might be the place to see, okay, can they do something with him? Vince has a term for guys like Jay White. Oh yeah, that's true too. Yeah, <laughs> you already know you are VM baby. Yeah, VM. Yeah, VM. But actually, that's not Vince's term. That's Kevin Nash's term. But yes, it, it, it Jay White is for me. He, he's Neville. Okay, that's a fair comparison. Although I like Neville. I oh, like Neville. No, I like I, Pac. I don't like Pac. Neville. No, but like like in WWE, he gets the Neville treatment. That's true. No, you're, you're very right. Uh, ratings, just to go through them. Dynamite, 967,000, 18 to 49.33. NXT, 700,000. Raw, 1.693 million viewers. SmackDown, 2.257 million viewers. Rampage, 551,000 viewers. And Battle of the Belts, 409 thousand in the late slot anything sneak up to you there can we go to lazy river wrestling is back baby no nothing nothing sticks but now the lazy river no sponsor this week still waiting to see if hello fresh wants to come back here i have i have a uh funny story about that so i got some mail this week and uh yeah i did It it was incredible and one of the things in the mail that arrived at my doorstep was a hello fresh box and i was so excited because it's so rarely do hello fresh actually send us anything and then i discovered it was actually my neighbors cool story bro (laughs) no it was a good story it was a good i returned it to him (laughs) i'm a good neighbor (laughs) never mind you know, not every not every story has to have a sad ending. Sometimes, no, but stories... every story has to have a point on this show. No, no I, oh, oh, oh! So the inclusive era is now <laughs> over because Jeffrey wants to be a jerk. <laughs> I'm trying to do a transition, and you're telling me stories about how you returned a box of yeah, food to your of, neighbor of Hello Fresh. Oh, what do you want? Cookie, you did what you're supposed to do, Chris. It's not your yes. food, right? 
What are you, I'm a, Los Angeles I, resident where you just I'm a, people's mail? I'm a swell guy. I'm in, okay. I'm in a rough city. A lot of people take stuff. Oh, yeah, the ABQ. The ABQ. Uh-huh. A burger now. <laughs> the Lazy River of Wrestling Criticism. Whatever we watch, no matter what genre or era it was, we can talk about it here. Lots to choose from because, God, it was a... Wrestling Heavy Week, with we also are including a SmackDown and a Battle of the Belts. If you so choose, Chris, I will give you first crack at whatever. Hmm. Mm. Um. That's a sweet story, Hawkins. I don't know why 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 every story has to be sad. Um. Dolph Ziggler is just a guy who they bring out now to do enhancement matches that are like fifteen minutes. That's, I give you your choice his... of anything, and you start with Dolph. Okay, fair enough. Fair, fair. Yeah, I, I, well, I agree. They, they wanted no. They wanted to do a showcase match for Solo Sokoa. I think yes. he is developing nicely. He he he's a gifted talent. Um, Ziggler just there. The, the problem is Ziggler is so heatless, and in a way, Sokoa has been so protected that all the near falls and everything in that match just didn't like when he hit the zigzag not for a second did you think that Sokoa wasn't going to kick out right no no one was biting on that um it's like it's almost in a way like they've overheated solo maybe he needs to not maybe he needs to not wrestle uh lately he's at a point where he doesn't actually need enhancement matches anymore is maybe the way I feel I mean this is just to get him a workout almost because I mean he should be going in there and killing people as the enforcer (laughs) of the bloodline even if it is Dolph Ziggler. And I like Dolph Ziggler. I, about a couple of years ago, I thought it's a shame he's never been able to really just take the <laughs> WWE style off of him in his promos and stuff. But now I'm at the point where if he walked into AEW, I'd be frightened of his promo. Because I think he'd go to the same type of things. I've I, only ever seen him do the one promo. Yeah. The, and he the- has, he has... The one promo no one cares about, and then the one promo that everybody likes. <laughs> That's story true. He he was always a guy to me that that could have used a Heenan or a or a Gary Hart or somebody to play off of, and he'd have been a much better. I mean, like like Rick Rude. Rick Rude, decent talker, better than Ziggler at sometimes, but always better with with a guy managing him as an act type of a thing. Um. But right now he's in he's in the uh, he's in the uh, trusted veteran status type of thing where he's putting over young guys and he's making buku bucks because of the escalator clauses in his contract. And who are we to judge? But this is his role, and he makes guys look good. Um, he makes Solo Sokoa look good to me. Yeah, no, I, he's had a couple of matches like this. Okay, one other thing then. One other okay. thing then. Dominic Mysterio is probably my favorite part on Raw. My God, we have turned on the Mysterio Science Theater 3000. Yes. I uh, always liked it. I got a lot of enjoyment value, even when it was like ironic enjoyment value. But like yes. the everything about the Judgment Day, the, the say, it, it wasn't just Dominic, though. There were a lot of points where Damian Priest was very funny as well. Yes. In all of this, uh, like like there, uh, certain facials and reactions, like yeah, 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 yeah. he'll he'll go, he will go, yeah, yeah. He, he's, well, like he's, he's he's done this in previous weeks, like when he got misted, when 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 Dominic got misted, and there was like there's a weird venereal disease joke that uh, that priest had to do, 
within there, and it was kind of an illusion type of a thing. And it was still very funny. Yes, they have heightened the stupidity on Dominic Mysterio. And and this Conan gimmick of his is great. <laughs> oh God, him now appropriating Conan. Like so we have like Guerrero, Razor Ramon. Uh, the identity crisis stuff is great too. Yeah, now yeah. He has to, now he has to imitate every Hispanic wrestler at some yes. point. <laughs> like no, La Parca, La Parca Dominic is going to be awesome. Dominic as Hoovy Juice would be real good too. Dominic as uh, Damien six six six. I'm kind of yeah. here for that. Cicope, Cicope, Lismar Junior. Yeah, sure. Yeah, all of them. Let's, let's go with this. You know, Cicosis, <laughs> where he wears the buffalo head. I'm here for it. Best mask uh, in wrestling. I, no, <laughs> I know. I love Cicosis. He was just a good wrestler too. Oh, but yeah, like, dude. yeah, what a look. Best guillotine leg drop. Uh, I know. him Eaton, uh, Waltman. Had a good one. Becky Lynch has a decent one, but I think no. The top... and, and, and as good as Eaton's is, and like the Alabama Jam's cool because of how clean it is. Seacoast's is was just like it, it was so vertical and like just like I mean it just looked devastating. He yeah. was fully committed to it every time. Oh yeah, no, I love him. Uh I'm going to put over because I've I've already uh, I've already angered the AEW fan base, but I'm going to put over something. I loved Mox and Hangman. I did. I, this was my match of the week. And here's why I love it. Number one, hot feud with promos, and we don't start with a lockup. We start with guys wanting to kill each other. And I that that's a hot start. That's what I want out of these types of matches. Screw your collar and elbow tie out. Try and punch a dude. I'm here for this. I liked the, the lack of melodrama during the match. It was just, this was very all Japan men to me a little bit from the mid nineties. You know your Hanson, Ace, Spidey, crew type of a thing where it's just guys clotheslining each other, clotheslining each other, clotheslining each other, and then and then he hits the buckshot and he gets the pin. And and the only down part slash uh, criticism I had was the aftermath. I don't want emo Adam Page. I wanted him to just kind of all right. We did this. I won the match. I'm 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 moving off and then seeing Moxley struggling in the background, kind of giving a little turn and then just continuing to walk as opposed to the long stare and then deciding to leave. It, he either needed to do he needed a stronger choice. He either needed to really care for Moxley, which would have gotten a lot of sympathy, or he needed to care less about Moxley and just go on his way. But this one kind of uh, hedged its bets a bit, and I didn't care for it, but I loved the match, Chris. Yeah, no. The work on this week's show, like this, and then also the Danielson-Takeshka match, I mean, these are not, like, groundbreaking takes or probably not surprises to people. Like, both these matches, in terms of intensity, delivered. Um, I like the choice of Paige winning. I think Paige had to maybe win here. Yeah, I think Moxley's um, going on vacation. Okay, that's the idea. Yeah, I was like, what, what, what is next for Moxley? It's just we're getting him off of TV. Right. Yeah. I mean, then this was basically what it needed to be then. I, yeah, I got nothing else to say. Your turn, sir. Um, I'm like looking at the various stuff here. Um, I have one chambered if you want me to go. While you yeah, fire you fire off something, fire off something, go for it. Battle of the Belts was the strongest battle of the belts that they have had. 
I watched that Friday, and look, I, I liked Rampage. Yeah. Rampage was good. I even liked the Mike Bennett match, which <laughs> is amazing for those of you who know. But uh, two matches that stood out on Battle of the Belts. Uh, Jade Cargill having her best match with Sky Blue went very, very well. I, I would rather Jericho said this is as strong as I've seen her as opposed to saying this is the best I've ever seen her because it's more of a criticism of her work, which is things that, you know, we do as opposed to within the world. But Jane Cargill, very impressive showing, I thought, on Battle of the Belts. And then, my God, the Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal versus the acclaimed Anything Goes match was just, I, I loved the, watching this match. I love old school heel Jarrett in the mix of this ridiculousness. Satnam ripping off the shirt and then uh you know uh, uh Sanjay putting it on and of course Aubrey gets the Pacific Northwest home crowd to cheer her when she comes in breaks it up it was utter ridiculousness it was fun and I loved every moment of it nice nice I uh I don't think I saw any of it okay yeah, it's worth coming out. I mean, look, Lethal and, and Jared are just the best heels. This, this faction is the best. I, I will. I, I mean, I will say I've, I've I just enjoyed Jeff Jarrett in this uh, middle aged and crazy sort of almost like not like Terry Funk, not Terry like, Funk, because Terry Funk was trying to work and not Sting because Sting is jumping off of things. But it's right, just, right. No, it's not that it's not like that kind of middle aged, but like he's 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 committed he's it's good. it's it's veteran competence like and and not like indie competence like i've been on a big stage competence type of a thing you know what i'm saying yeah it, it, it's like i it's like i'm not trying to get the the i'm not trying to get you to like me here i know what i'm doing and i'm gonna do this and you're gonna boo me for it and it's phenomenal um i guess my my next note here appreciation society stuff is like dad com dad jokes for dads like them coming dressed up uh what movie were they referencing with the gold jackets wasn't magic mike was it i don't yeah right like it was like some like late 90s thing like like th these the full monty yeah, dude jericho's just got it's 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 sad he he just okay he's fine in the ring but like i i these bits are not funny. They they always get long in the tooth. Um, Starks and Action Andretti are not exactly dynamic duo on the mic. Like, and then the the engagement with Hager. Who benefited from this whole exchange? This was just really long. Well, I figured it out halfway through talking through the through the uh, through the promo on the Dynamite show last night. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, I do appreciate Jer the Jer whole entire Jericho Appreciation Society showing up at Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Um, my my theory on Jericho is this, and it's it it's not necessarily a negative, but you remember how Jim Cornette used to say that Triple H was the guy who always attached himself to the guy who was making money. Yeah, Chris Jericho's a little different to me. Chris Jericho's the guy who attaches himself to the guy who's cool or relevant, or new, or young. He's the Steve Buscemi, how you're doing fellow kids. 
type of thing. He always wants to be because that makes him young in some ways. Like that's why he attaches him to Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy. Like he wants to help the young people out, but I think there's a part of him that thinks that this helps him stay relevant in yes. some ways. Yeah. And it's a kind of a pseudo political movie, even if it's not really. Um, I I boy, Ricky Starks again. To me, he was he was starting to find his groove in this thing, and then he tried what was a joke that he didn't have the right emphasis on the words he wanted to emphasize. And it felt like he got lost. And then after that, it kind of unraveled a bit there. Cause he, he looks at, he looks at Hager and he said, he, he, he does the, the, uh, the Gilligan thing. You're, you're a big old Gilligan. And then what he wants to say is you're a giant purple helmeted blah, 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 without saying what he really should have said. Because this was a penis joke, Chris. Right. He should have just called him a giant dick. Right. And that would have gotten the pop. And that would have got, or giant penis, clap, 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 clap. Yeah. You know, that, that would have gotten it over. And th- this is a problem with him. This is a problem with Adam Page in some ways who says way too many words when he should have just says the one thing and get the pop type of a thing. But yes, this was. No, when he started saying like the purple, that sentence went on so long. I I was starting yes. to think of Barney, the purple dinosaur. Yeah, I didn't know. What he, I thought he was going to say dumb Donald with the hat or what from Fat Albert. But it was yeah. just like it, it became one of those things where he was trying to say too many things. This was he wrote this script backstage and he memorized it. He came out and he stumbled on a line and he couldn't get it back as opposed to really kind of going with a flow here. He was being clever, and that's the problem with being clever sometimes. Um, yeah, I'm... Uh, and and I think a little bit of criticism, and I ask this question honestly, because I don't know, is this kind of reverting a little bit back to the uh, rock thing? Question mark? Um, and, and the second part of that question is, does Jericho have a misogyny, uh, not problem, but instinct in him? Because Action Andretti talking about Tay reeked of Jericho talking about Paige Van Zant and talking about Stephanie. And it's one of those scenes where it's like, I know Jericho's trying to guide all these guys creatively in some ways. But it's really interesting that his instinct always draws yes. to that as yes. like, well, this will be a cool way to get heat. And like the reality is it, it, I'm with you. I, I'm unclear that the Tay legs beat really did much of anything for anybody. Right. That That's not, that's right. sad. I will, and, I will and defend. So then, and it, bends, it begs the question, whose idea was that? And yeah, who pitched and, that idea? And I'm pretty sure it was Jericho. Yeah, I, I, I would say so, Because I don't too. think Action Andretti was going around saying, hey, how about I call you a slut? Uh, <laughs> he just doesn't seem to have that kind of, uh, that that uh, that snark in him necessarily that Jericho does. But that said, I will defend Tay and Anna. I am, I've heard that Anna may have gotten hurt on Friday, but... Uh, if you recall that tag match at the end of December where they uh, of last year or 2021, where they had the street fight against Penelope Ford and the bunny, where they just threw themselves all over the place. I'm kind of here for that tag match against Willow Nightingale and Ruby Riot on Friday. I want to see, because I love car wrecks, especially if it's car wrecks where people are trying 
and it just becomes like an actual fight where it's like they're all fighting for their lives because there's so much botched stuff. Yeah, you get things. really you get really good selling. Oh yeah, oh because they're really hurting themselves. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh man, I'm a, you're almost uncomfortable watching this because oh my god, Ty Conte's bleeding and Hannah Chase bleeding because they did. But I love that match for what the the car wreck it was. I'm kind of looking forward to this one on Friday, so I'm I'm here for that. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you. I I think it was a clunky segment, and I just let, let's let's use it as a parallel. I'll I'll take my my. Uh, my lazy river here to the MJF promo. Did you, did you think too much low hanging fruit on that one? Or did you think effective yeah, heel? Yeah, no, I, I, he, he's not uh, increasingly effective in larger doses for me. Okay. I I think he saved himself from, a from, I mean, look, I, under, I, I looked at, of course, Twitter's like, he didn't, why do you have to be a racist to get heat? I'm like, cause that's what heels do. But, I understand the criticism, but I also think, see, I see that that's not even what I'm going in on. I mean, I'm with you on that too. I it's, it's more than that with MJF. I just like this. I'm not hating this character. Yeah. I'm not, he's, he's, he's doing too much. It's almost like I'm not hating Rickles. It's watching like watching Rickles where it's like, uh, and and Kevin Ely of, of, uh, the boom, who's a friend of the show and listens to the show. Kind of brought that. He goes. Do you think you watched a lot of Don Rickles? He's he's getting the endearing part of Rickles in there, quite a bit. Where it's like, you know, I only know you from she's all that. And, you know that. Yeah. Kind of thing. No. It's like it turned into a roast at one point. Yes. Yes. I, like I'm sorry. I'm supposed to hate you. You're not supposed to be getting over your comedy chops. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Is is and, the and cool Freddie Prince wants to be funny. Yeah. No. It's funny. Like so. Like. There's the racist thing, I, but like for me, it was more. This turned into like a roast, and Frey Prince Jr. is here tonight. I haven't seen you in a movie since 2002. Ah, 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 ah. Look at this dais. Look at all these has beens on this dais up here. And yeah, it was it was very Friars Club type. Yeah, this of this place is more washed up than a car wash. Ah, 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 ah. MJF That's not a who's car. who. It's a who's left. Hey, oh, who cares? Oh, who cares? Yeah, type of a thing. Uh, I, I thought, but I, I will give one positive. I thought, uh, I thought the usage of the verbiage where where MJF looks at Takeshita, and I thought the name thing was just dumb. But you knew that. Was See, but like the, I'm, here I'm, we speak it, American as opposed to here we speak English was so utterly stupid and heel like that it endeared me to the line as opposed to being revolted by the ugly jingoism of it so to it speak still I guess. makes it bad it's still no, a I know. joke I... no it's still a joke that's my yes. problem my problem your problem like... is, the, is the yuck yuck yes it, as opposed to like... the i'm just an asshole it, it may, you know what i mean again it goes into one of our criticisms of it, it because he's also a coward at times too he's the miz with better material yeah and, and like also the Miz who, who doesn't have to face nearly as much like the consequences in like in scene either. Right. Um, and like, I mean, in this case, especially like when he's talking to, to Keshka, like why wouldn't Danielson and Takeshka just kick MJF's ass? Right. Well, that was the other, uh, he came down there yeah. and that Takeshita get out of his ring. I was like, dude, they already introed him for this match. And then Aubrey is like pushing Takeshita out of the ring, trying to get him out while he cuts, while he does like show, while he does the, the Friars Club roast of Ken Jong and, and Freddie Prince Jr. 
Yeah. Ken I, Jong, I, by the way, a saint of a man. I met him in 96 doing stand-up. I love that dude. He was so nice to me. And this is before he even became big. We just had a nice little conversation. I don't know him personally. I just met him once. He's a great guy. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, like, like I, I just, he's missing the mark for me because he's just not like a, he's not actually very good at being a heel. He's like now trying to be like a. He's entertaining the fans as opposed he, to getting booed he, out of the. He's building. like being a dick stand-up comic yes. as like as a heel character, and I like. Ari Shafir or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right, right. It's it's the stand-up comic, uh, the Mark Maron kind of yeah, about that. But yeah, yeah, ahead. like <laughs> yeah, like a naturally sort of like prickly, prickly sort of guy, um, doing stand-up, but also is like a prick, and that's part of the act. Yeah. Um, yeah, like that's what MJF is doing. Is that a main event heel character? Like I Bobby, would argue- Bobby Slayton would be a comedian like that. I'm trying to think of other comedians that are just like that. Their whole persona is being a jerk on stage, but off stage, you know, oh, they're the sweetest guy type of a thing, you know, where it's all kind of a front. I mean, yeah. Bill, Burr, Bill Burr's a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, more, more ramped up on screen. I mean, I think Bill yeah. Burr's, you know, basically giving, you know, his views. It's just that he's more ramped up on screen. Um, but yeah, like, I, I guess the question is, uh, maybe this is what you can post on Twitter, Jeff. It's like, is that really a main event heel character? I am not posting another wrestling opinion no, for at least two no, days. No, that's, you have to. And that this is the first one you're going to post. Oh yeah, no, I'm going to say Chris Novembrito says. Yeah, by all means, because they can't <laughs> they, they, they can't find me, and even if they could, they don't care enough to. Yeah, uh, your your turn on the lazy river. Um. Okay. Uh. I'm trying. To, was there anything else on AEW worth kind of weighing in on? Uh, is Adam Cole a face or a heel coming out of that promo? Oh, that's the other thing I got heat for during Dynamite. <laughs> Okay, here was my thing. Yeah, that that's a babyface promo. That that is. I'm sorry. That's how that, that's how I read that promo. But here was my thing, and and it's coming from a person who has watched territory wrestling for years and who worked in television a little bit. I I said I wish you know like I liked look I I I didn't mind the whole it was like the Daniel Bryan you know it's a you know and slash meme of the old guy getting mugged and says it's a problem for you type of thing I I didn't mind that so much that you know that little the bait and switch of of hey I got good news and bad news type of a thing I didn't mind that that much no I um... I wanted the entire but I wanted the entire promo into the camera and I know he was talking to the crowd and I got into it with Grant Akuma who we we have we have. We have conversations and you know, we mostly agree with each other. Sometimes we disagree with each other. That's fine. I'm good with that. And then and then of course all the reply people go, You're an idiot. It's all right, fine, whatever. No, um, they, they don't understand the new inclusive era of the show. <laughs> no, they don't. But, I, I, but I for wish me the did. for me, the first part of that promo, and I'm trying to get you know, I'm trying to get into it emotionally, I'm trying to do all these things. It was like watching a guy who didn't know which camera was on. And I thought the cameras were trying to find him at times. And it, it and it wasn't, it was just how they wanted to shoot it. And I was, and, and you know, people were saying, no, he was, he was doing an in the round theater type thing where he's talking to everybody. I was like, all right. It didn't come off as effective to me because all I could think was he can't find the camera with the red light on that. That's the hot camera right now. And, and yeah, that makes me an old, I get it. You know, slag me in the Discord, whatever you want to do. It was just one of those things where it's just like I like promos that are in the camera and and talking to me, especially emotionally resonant ones. 
Uh, so I mean, but but I mean, the promo was good. I don't know who you see for me. I want to put him up against MJF immediately. Right. So that to me is a mistake here. Is, is this promo and turning Adam Cole babyface one? I I, I would have go all in on it. I I, I mean, I where's my so... friend Bobby Fish? <laughs> no, I I would have had him. I mean, I would have had to fully commit to you know. It was pretty baby fist facey, but like then like there was also like little heel twinges or whatever. And yeah. one, go all in, don't hedge. That this company always hedges. Like they they don't like drawing in in strong colors, which is is one of the biggest detriments of of AEW. Oh, let, let me let me let me bookmark the women's match here real quick for to go back to that and talk about it a little bit. But yeah, please it, continue. And I would have waited for this Danielson program to wrap up and have Adam Cole come back as a baby face. I, I mean, honestly, I would have probably made Adam Cole turning baby face to be like a centerpiece of a show. I yeah. wouldn't have, just, I wouldn't have stuck this in the middle. Like this is, it's been a long time coming. Adam Cole's been a heel pretty much for years now. Um, So to turn him, I, I just, I would have made it a really big moment. And, and it, it felt weird that this was just kind of like, slid into the middle of the show. Uh, sorry, I'm reading. Uh, Axios apparently reports that former WWE CEO Stephanie Mann, current chief content officer Paul Triple H Levesque, opposed plans to sell the company. <laughs> that makes this thing even more insane. Uh, yeah, no, I, I. but overall, I, I agree with you. Um, I think Adam Cole, you know, you need to start him off main event and that's the guy to start him off with. And I think maybe, you know, I mean, I don't want to see him in a mid-card feud with Ethan Page or something, you know? <laughs> no, I I think, I mean, the to me, the big return with Adam Cole is after the MJF beats Danielson match. MJF He's the guy gets, to save Danielson. He saves Danielson. Yeah, to the surprise of everyone, yes. most notably Danielson. Because you think he's, he's going to come down and beat his ass, but no, he comes down to save him. Yeah, even MJF thinks that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um Okay, go ahead, sorry. No, no, just just a Sometimes they try to shoehorn too much stuff into these rampages. Yeah. And like yeah, th- this this is just a real mistake and to have this happen and then, and then we go to this bizarre acclaimed daddy ass thing backstage. <laughs> Like where I got a bit, this is kind of like the, the penis hat thing where eventually I kind of got where they were going, but they were just naming like a string of people. Everyone hates. And like, you could hear people audibly groan as some of these names are getting mentioned. Your guy, Donald Trump. And you just see Bowens go, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 it was strange as hell. This women's tag match was a little strange as hell too. If I could say so, because now they're playing up almost on commentary that Soraya and Tony Storm, who came out sullen, are the heels, and we're doing a whole double turn with Britt and Jamie Hayter as AEW originals. And I, I know I said this last week. I will reiterate it again because I also said it last night on the show. Doing a these women were in WWE, so they're the heels thing. It kills any woman who worked at that company. Ruby Riot. It kills Athena. It kills Tony Storm. It kills the purpose of debuts, basically. It kills the purpose of debuts if you're going to bring in, say, Mercedes. I I just, I don't like this. I don't like that they're the homegrown talent. 
They're the interlopers who are just coming in to suck off the teat of our hard work. And you're just like, oh, my God. Now, she is obviously with Britain and Jamie, right? I mean, she's she's worn white and she's worn red and they wore white and red. Uh, Mercedes wore white and red. But uh, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I didn't know that my kendo stick that I was going to throw there. Like all this needed to, to just really tick me off, to be honest with you, would be Taz going, but whose side is she on when she walked out of the ring? Uh, but I liked the match. I loved Tony, Tony and Jamie are just magic together. I mean, because Jamie just chops the sh- crap out of, sorry, chops the crap out of Tony, and Tony sells it like she's being shot. It it, it was hard-hitting, it was great, and this crowd gave them nothing. This crowd gave this women's match nothing because they were all waiting for either Mercedes to show up or or maybe it's just they don't, this is the death, this is the women's spot that, and they just, they didn't want to cheer for this match or something. I don't know what it was. Hater got a good enough pop, but once the bell rang, they didn't want to give Soraya or, or Tony Storm anything and they just didn't react to anything. I was kind of shocked by this. Yeah, I, I would have expected this match to be a little bit hotter, but I also think it's just it it, it is a little bit of confusion from the audience programming here. Like like they I I think they don't like Soraya and Storm's presentation based on last week with the way you're treating Sheeta, but then like Baker and Hater, even though Hater's a fan favorite. Hater also has always operated as a heel in the audience knows that too. So like, the, like they do like this weird, like respectful, the, the audience it's, it's can't the weird, get it's in. It's a weird presentation of Brit as I'm the cornerstone of this division. I've worked hard to build this division. I put it on my back. Situational baby face. Situational Brit. baby face. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And no, it's, but you still have rebel out there. Yeah. I no it, running it, interference it, yeah. every time. Right. Yeah. I, I, at bare minimum. At bare minimum when you're gonna use these two as baby faces, can Rebel just be left in the back then? Yeah. Like, I, I, I think if, that I think and, that's and, more clarity. I think that's a good thing. Because the whole focus too is supposed to be between Baker and Hater, and you can maybe have it be like the story is Rebel not being there is part of the reason that Baker and Hater fight, but there's a reason why Rebel can't be there now. Uh, you know, it you can make it make sense it, 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 and make the crowd have a better sense of who to cheer for, who to boo, what what outcome do they want? And really, like, right now this crowd's like, well, I guess I want Jimmy Hater to win because I like Jamie Hater, which is still weird because Hater's effectively a heel. I laughed at the Gaga over Paul Walter Hauser. I love Paul Walter Hauser. I think he's a hell of an actor. Very funny guy. But my my most font my or my most vivid memory of Paul Walter Hauser with AEW, I believe it was during the Jacksonville days. Don't quote me on that. But there was a show where Vince Vaughn was at AEW. Yes. And they highlighted Vince Vaughn. And Paul Walter Hauser was right next to him, and they didn't even mention him. <laughs> I just, I, I kind of laughed at that and thought about that because this is right as as Hauser was getting kudos, I think, for Richard Jewell. And they didn't even mention. They just, oh, there's Vince Vaughn and friends, and you're just like, come on, man, give 
Paul Walter Hauser's a huge wrestling guy, man. Come on. And then, and then of course, now that now he gets his due, I kind of laughed at that. Uh, I, I read the spoilers for Friday. I'm not looking forward to that. But, you know, Dan Housen, Paul Walter Hauser. <coughs> all right. I'll, I'll deal with it. I, I, you know, the best friends are what they are, what it is. But it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah. Uh, surprised also that MJF couldn't find Macaulay Culkin in the audience because I know he was probably there. Because he, he, I know he, that it would have been great to hear some good Home Alone jokes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's it for me for the most part for AEW at least. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't know. That I have anything else on AEW either. Um, that let's let's kick it over to NXT. Okay. Bizarre finish to Braun Breaker and Grayson Waller. <laughs> Bizarre finish. Um, I like like they don't like that normally uh, i don't know what doing a count out like that does for waller or breaker other than i guess they need to have another match but this is just like such a such a way too clever sort of finish we don't want to beat anybody let's let's talk ourselves out of this corner we paint ourselves into what if and you're just like this is just dumb i mean if you don't want to beat a guy don't put him in a feud if it would have made more sense to have Braun Breaker not be able to make it back into the ring for a 10 count than to have Grayson Waller. You get to the same outcome, which is that they have to have another match. Yeah. And in the interim, Grayson Waller has something to lord over Braun Breaker's head and so a reason to get Breaker back into the ring. Yeah, no. This, no, the, the, I, this doesn't do anything. Is, typical book is at the heel somehow, and, and it's not always, you know, Rube Goldberg device where you like stack 20 tables on top of Braun so he can't get back. No, no, but it's like the genius beating Hulk Hogan via count out. Yes. And it gives him the win and it makes him the number one contender, quote unquote. And hey, I know how to outsmart you. And this time, you know, this time I'll I'll figure out a way to beat you type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You do a couple of weeks of chase where Breaker keeps getting outsmarted by Waller and I mean, that would have actually been more narratively satisfying. Remember, the week prior, Braun Baker beat the crap out of Grayson Waller. Yeah. So, like, like the two-week story now is, like, Waller was on the losing end of that exchange and then was essentially on the losing end of this match, too. And he played himself. Like, you know, it, it, I just – bizarre finish for a guy who, you know, like – I think Grayson Waller has a lot to offer. I think he's a good yeah. character. Yeah, uh, I, I just—it's a little crazy given that bump off the ladder that one time too. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I, look, uh, I've seen stuff with Waller that that has m- at least mildly impressed me at minimum. Chris, what is the point of turning uh, hit row heel? I don't know because I, it's already one of those things where they're a weak act because they don't have Swerve there. I get maybe it's an acclaimed type of strategy where it's like, okay, we'll have them do raps where they like make the audience, you know, oh, and then eventually they'll become beloved. But I don't see a lot of the, a lot of <clears throat> use for this act as a heel act because people, you know, it, it's one of those things where, hey, it's a musical act. So automatically you want the crowd to be, I mean, and they're not doing music or rap poorly. So it's not like the instant bad heat of Jillian Hall or Rhythm and Blues or the Honky Tonk Man or, or what have you. So I, I'm I'm wondering, I mean, I guess you can make Top Dollar a monster heel 
in some ways. But this act already wasn't over to begin with, and turning them heel I don't think is going to work that well either. Yeah, I don't know that turning them heel is going to... Like, I don't think that these guys are as good a rappers as they claimed. No. I don't I don't think they'll come up with as good a rap for these guys. Uh, I, I think, honestly, Swerve was doing a lot for them. Uh, you could really see the three of them without Swerve. It, it, it doesn't work. The, the whole the whole act was really Swerve and B-Fab. And the other two could have been anybody. It was just B-Fab saying, hit, bro. You know, that whole Right, no, no. And, and B-Fab, and what their mistake was, oh, well, B-Fab's enough to save this act. And she's not. She's just like the important secondary function for Swerve's unit. Well, it was also, hey, look, crowd-pleasing group. We'll bring them all up at once. You know, and it's just like, okay, but Top Dollar's not ready to wrestle. Guys, and, I mean, and Ashanti the Adonis is is fine, but he's nothing special. Correct. Yeah, and that's uh, what do you think of Jinder Mahal showing up in NXT? Exciting. Uh, <laughs> what what what? what a, it was well, I think Veer's father died, so they needed need to fill in. So it's like, all right, Jinder, you're not doing nothing. Uh, <laughs> bizarre. Um, look, it 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 does probably mean more creeds on the TV which I'm fine with, yeah. I think is a good thing. So anything that means more creeds. The Ivy and Julius thing is stupid. I like I I don't I feel like this is just gonna like trend to romance. Like the, these two are like future uh, gonna be a future couple. I am not looking forward to number one, Uncle Howdy. I just think that's dumb. Number two, babyface Charlotte. Can only last so long. She's not good at it. <laughs> well, it's not just that, but everybody knows Charlotte's getting pushed hard. And eventually the crowd will turn on and she'll become heel. And probably I'm thinking Bianca from Mania. <laughs> but it's just one of those days where it's just like you're watching this and you're going, does she like she has a likable personality because Again, I point this out when Steve Austin was doing that uh, bad TV show on USA. She was a guest on there. She's one of the best guests they had. <coughs> she was a lot of fun and she was effervescent. She was game for anything. And that she comes out on TV and she feels stiff and programmed and just it's you're just waiting for the moment for her to turn. It, it, she's Orndorff at this point. She's you know it's one of those things where it's like. I don't think she can be a likable baby face on the main roster until she gets a little bit older and becomes the, uh, the respected veteran type thing. Cause we just know that they're going to, they're going to bring up the old man's streak and you know, we need 14, especially with Vince back. Vince is big on those types of things. So that's the other thing here is Charlotte back with Vince there. It's going to be unbearable at times. And I like her as a wrestler. I get her. But as a baby face, I just watch and I go, this is a miscasting. Just be a heel. Yeah. I, I Charlotte should be like a never turns baby veteran run sort of character. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. Agree. I, I, she's just, she's just a natural heel. I, I have um, no other thoughts. So whatever you have is it. Um, Trying to see what else uh, I might have here. I didn't watch uh, NXT, so I have nothing else to say about that. Um, 
I mean, I pretty deadly. It, it they just don't work without the belts. They feel really? so hopeless. Oh, yeah, that's, they, that's they, disappointing. They it, it it it's they're so lost without the belts. And and, and they got bare, like Gallus came out and squashed them. So they did like this gauntlet thing, and then oh, that's that's right. I was re- yeah. All, all the UK <coughs> talent had their visa issues resolved. So now you're getting Tyler Bate back. You're getting Gallus back. I mean, that'll be fine. It's just one of those things where it's like pretty dead. The thing is, they're flaky heels. And I think once they don't have the belts, they have to be a little bit more vicious in order to yes, get over they as need opposed to, be to a little comedy. There needs to be a little bit more ruthlessness. And like, yes. yeah, they, there's there's still a lot of yuck yuck today. Yeah, again, it's yuck yuck. It, it's getting heels over by being entertaining as opposed to being bad. And I think that's that's a huge problem with heels today. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I have much else though. Okay, I think. let's cut it off there. It's been shaking the rounds. Yeah. You follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You follow Chris on the gram at Doctor the word Doctor underscore Nove. You can just follow the show on Twitter again at Shake Them Ropes. We uh, update that when episodes come out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Thank you to our fan who brought a sign. I was was uh I was uh I had forgotten about that because it was at the Friday Rampage. But yeah, we had a we had a fan who brought a Shake Them Ropes sign. I I was uh the I was humbled by it to be honest with you because it's like look we're just a dopey podcast. But thank you as uh. I want to call him Jay Messenger, but I can't. I can't remember his name offhand, and I I think he deleted his Twitter. So it's one of those things. But remind me, I'll give you a proper shout out next week, my friend. Thank you very much. It's all over my Instagram at crapgame13, but don't follow me because I want to prove it. Uh, Chris, Chris is in the ABQ. He's getting guitar lessons. He has bands. He has music stuff. He actually has stuff going on. He's going to tell you about it now. Yeah, I mean, if if you want to see Hondo Coyote, you can down at Voodoo Girl from seven to ten. That's the name uh, of your band, is Hondo Coyote. Yeah, like That's a pretty Hondo good name. I, I yeah, like that. Yeah, it's like a, a dip in the desert. So like when you're like riding through the desert, there's like it a. It sounds like the name of like a uh, science fiction mercenary. I'm Hondo Coyote of the. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, right, ahead, or like, like, like a, you know, like a mid, like n- n- mid to late 20th century, like motorcycle or something. Or, you I know, like... a really good 80s enhancement talent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's like, uh, uh, who's, who's, who's the well, guy? He's that... like Wahoo McDaniel's protege, Hondo Coyote. <laughs> who's the blonde guy that, that uh, starts with a C? I can see his name. He's a jack dude, but never really was a huge push, but always was like a body guy. But Oh, uh, we, Chip uh, Donovan. Check Donovan. Check Donovan. Or Chick Donovan. Yeah, Chick that Donovan. would be, that would be his Donovan. tag team partner's Hondo Coyote. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, Sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Uh, yeah, Doctor Nov, you nailed that. Um, lessons. See the band. Uh, if you want lessons, go to the Instagram and message me, and then you can have the lessons that you need. If you want to hear more of my bad opinions, I'm on Fightful or not Fightful, Fight Game Media. Every Wednesday on the Dynamite Show, usually with Paul Fontaine. This week, I was with the Power Bombshells. I had two babysitters with me. Uh, for all the hot takes on Dynamite, we go segment by segment, talk about that. That was a fun time, and I'll be there next week as well. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Fight Game Media, five bucks a month. For Chris Novembrino and his stolen box of HelloFresh. I returned it. It was a positive story. I'm Jeff Hawkins. Talk to you next week. Inclusive. I love that. Hello. Do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? 
If so, check out the Super J cast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super J cast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super J cast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.